I'm, I'm right here, Phil. I see you. <laughs> I mean, we got Mike oh. Liss. Mike, if you were to give us Sean Payton a, a letter grade um, at the bye week, which kind of happens to fall right in the middle of the Broncos season, it's not a report card. It's one of those progress reports that you used to steal out of the mailbox so your mom couldn't find it. Um, what letter? What grade would you give Sean Payton? Uh, well, I guess I would give him a C. I would, um, I mean, he's three and five, so maybe that's generous. Then again, you know, this team has been so bad for six years, seven years, and he seems to be bringing a little measure of hope here going into the bye with the last two wins, finally beating the Chiefs. That's almost worth an A-plus right there. But um, I think the the Jets loss, where he uh, seemed to have a um, influence on, uh, you know, a hand in it with with rallying the the troops for Hackett on the Jets side. I think that uh, I think that cost him a grade, maybe. I like it. I like it, um, Mike. Uh, to back to the news kind of of the week with the Jerry Judy stuff. Um, do we, and I know you joined um, Stokely and Josh and, and you guys were reacting to Adam Schefter's report and you say, you know, I hadn't really heard that or confirmed that. Um, did you ever uh, get that uh, confirmed that uh, what Schefter reported that the offer for Jerry Judy was a third round pick and a fifth round pick? Yeah, what I said is um, I did hear that Judy was the closest one uh, to getting traded. Um, obviously even he wasn't close enough, but I had heard, I had heard a third and a fifth, but uh, what I said on uh, Stokely yesterday was um, I heard the opposite. Um, Schefter reported that um, uh, they were offered a third and a fifth. I was, I, the way I heard it and it, it wasn't, you know, I didn't have a second source, so I didn't, Okay. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't report it. But um, in light of what Adam did, I heard kind of the opposite of the third and the fifth. They were hoping for a third and a fifth, which would have been the equivalent of a second mm. to uh, trade Judy, and they didn't get that. So, in other words, what I heard, the third and the fifth is what the Broncos wanted, um, <clears throat> because it was going to be a second round value if you add those two together. And they did not get that, and so therefore they didn't make the trade. The, 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 the offer they had was not as strong as the third and the fifth. It's funny, though, because I heard third and the fifth also, just kind of the, the uh, reverse of what Adam did. Interesting. Mm. Mike, other than Jerry Judy, who else has strong interests and may have been dealt at the trade deadline? You know, uh, I heard there was interest. I don't know about strong interest. That's one thing I don't know. Uh, but Sertan's name came up. Uh, Sutton's name came up. And I'm not sure. I have no idea what the offers were. And then the uh, the fourth name that I heard came up was Lloyd Cushenberry, the starting center, which makes sense because Cushenberry is, uh, first of all, a four-year starter and is good. you got to be good to be on the trading block or mm-hmm. to draw interest. Mm-hmm. That's number one. And number two, he's a free agent after this year. And it's going to be interesting to see if the Broncos try to uh, re-sign him. You know, they didn't re-sign uh, Dalton Reisner last year, for instance. Yeah. And really, guys, it's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to pay everybody up front. They, they've already paid McGlinchey, top of the market. They paid Ben Powers, top of the market. So that's two. 
Garrett Bowles is on a contract where he was when the contract was signed three or four years ago, three years ago, I guess, was top of the market. And he still has, I think, $16 million non-guaranteed next year. you got to figure out what to do there. And then Quinn Miners comes up next year. Mm. Um, not this year, but next year. Um, and he's a guy they, they really like. Um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Miners is a high priority for them at this time next year. So I don't know. I, I'm sure they would like to re-sign Cushenberry. But there's a reason why they drafted uh, Alex Forsythe uh, in the seventh round, and they kept him on the roster even though he didn't play. If you remember a few years ago, 2014, the Broncos drafted Matt Paradis in the sixth round, put him on the practice squad for a year, and then he started in that Super Bowl run of 2015. So uh, Forsythe could be that type of player uh, for the Broncos next year. Mike, um if if we um, if we assume that what well I I don't want to I don't want to assume for you because I'm assuming for myself because you heard something different so I don't want to assume for you but the way that the, the way that I hear this is that you had you had a real offer for Judy and they turned it down they're moving forward with this team and my assumption is they did that because they believe they are about to go on a run is that fair to sort of speculate anyway. Yes. Um, yes. Um, it's one of those deals where I think whether a run or not a run, you know, whatever they think this team is, you know, and I'm talking Sean Payton and George Payton and, and Greg Penner too, um, whatever they think this team is, they weren't going to give away a guy if, it, if they didn't get proper value. In other words, had they still had, let's say they lost to the Chiefs and they were two and six, I think they still would have kept Judy. If now, and, and again, in my impression is, if all they were getting was a fourth round draft pick for Judy, they felt that they were better off keeping Judy than getting a fourth round draft pick, which I I, I think that might that really might be the case, and uh, as far as what I've been told, and so. Uh, yeah, and Judy's under contract next year. You wanna you wanna see more, I guess, is where the team is. The team wasn't ready to move on. Whether they believe whether they believe the team's going to make the playoffs or not, they want to see more. And really, I think what this happened, and it happened throughout the league, week eight isn't enough time for a trade deadline, and not enough for the season that's passed in a seventeen game season. Now it was it was barely there in a sixteen game season. Now it's 17. About 10 teams had buys before the tra- trade deadline. You know, like last night, you had uh, Pittsburgh 4 and 3 and Tennessee 3 and 4. You know, you didn't know which, or, you know, which, what either team was until last night, you know, until they played that eighth game. Now maybe Pittsburgh's buyers after they know they're 5 and 3. Maybe the Tennessee's sellers after they know they're 3 and 5. But there wasn't enough time to make that type of conclusion. They were uh, Tennessee was uh, sellers to some degree because they uh, traded away Kevin Bayard for uh, fifth and a sixth, um, which a lot of people didn't think was much value in return. So, but but the point is, I think the NFL, if they really want to make a splash with the NFL trade deadline and come a little closer to equaling all the hot air and the uh, wasted print 
and the you know putting me on TV uh, for way too many times <laughs> to talk about a trade deadline that basically never materialized, and that's with the Broncos and about twenty other teams also. So, Mike, one question. I have another one after this, but. What would be better for the trade deadline to be then? Like, to you, what makes sense? Uh, move it. Uh, start with one week, but, you know, I think after week 10 would make mm. sense. Okay. I, I think after, after week 10, you played a minimum. You know, uh, most of the teams will have uh, – uh, um, most of the teams will – all the teams will have played nine. Some of the teams will have played ten. And I think you'll have – I think you have a better idea – which direction your team is going for the final stretch. Also, Mike, what's going on with Marvin Mims? Why hasn't he got a bigger role? Mm. <laughs> well, that was, that was uh, when Judy was out there, that was a big, um, that, that was one reason why Judy was out there was to get Marvin Mims more touches to, you know, to bump him up to number two receiver. But right now he's not, I, I don't, I don't know what the answer is this, but this is the way it's been for Marvin Mims so far. He's a, he's either ran the goal route or he's uh, had a bunch of uh, screen passes behind the line of scrimmage. Mm. You know, there hasn't been a lot of the other route tree, uh, maybe a slant or two here and there. But for whatever reason, they don't feel comfortable with the rest of the route tree with Marvin Mims as a rookie. You know, they also got him as a returner. He's a full-time returner. And, you know, right now I would say he's, you know, the last I looked, he was an all-pro returner. So he's getting that action. You know, at home, you don't get the kickoff returns because they just put him out of there in the altitude. Mm-hmm. Um, but he still he still does some damage in the punt return. And uh, I think if you made him I, – I wonder if they made him more of a receiver, if he would have less of a role as a returner, which is usually what happens. And so uh, maybe that has some factor in it, too. They don't want to – they don't want to diminish his uh, his returning uh, responsibilities. Mike, uh, let me ask you this, and I know you you do a lot of reporting, but but I want your opinion on this one because I I respect your opinion. Um, right. We have seen the Denver Broncos pop up, for lack of a better uh, uh, term, pop up and be this A plus version of themselves that they are never able to replicate. Um, It was 2018, bad football team, and they go on the road and just beat the Texans like a drum in Drew Locke's first start. Um, You know, bad football team, a couple years later, they go on the road and they pound Dallas in a way that no one could have anticipated. Um, But in in each of these cases, they're unable to um, make it repeatable. And then now we we just saw the first win over Kansas City in many years, and it's got everyone excited but I'm wondering, and I hope we're not falling for what Vic Fangio would refer to as a, a false positive. Is what we saw the last time we saw the Broncos repeatable? Yeah, well, I mean, it's going to be t- it's going to be tough to repeat because their 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 first challenge on the other side of the bye is going to be on the road at Buffalo. Uh, you know, a pretty good Buffalo Bill team. Now. Uh, I, I hear what you're saying. The one difference this time compared to 2019, that Texans game with, with Drew Locke, um, Vance Joseph in 2018, I think went from two and six to six and six. He did. 
with, uh, yep, with a win at Cincinnati that wasn't supposed to happen. And then all of a sudden they lost Emmanuel Sanders and they lose their last four. Uh, that's with Case Keenum. But um, uh, can they repeat? I, I think the reason why, even if they lose the Buffalo, let's say, and they're three and six, they come home and they beat the Vikings and the Browns and they're in decent shape again. I, I think the, the reason why you think it, this team could be ascending uh, uh, you know, not just false positive is because Sean Payton is setting his ways, is setting his methods is, is, you know, they talk about culture. I never know what culture means. Um, but they, um, he, the, the way he does things, these guys, you know, he weeded out Frank Clark and he weeded out Randy Gregory and he weeded out as saying Bassey and he replaced these guys, uh, with guys who are producing younger guys, who are hungry and producing. And it just seems like there's more energy with this team going forward as they go into the bye. And we'll see if they can execute. You know, I think there's still, you know, Russell Wilson is a big factor also. He was he was really improved the first uh, month of the season. And then the last four games, he hasn't averaged 150 yards uh, passing. Right. He's done good with the touchdowns. He hasn't thrown many interceptions. He's running the ball well. But still, it looks like a really, really conservative passing attack where it's either throw the ball to the backs on the screen game or the flares or chuck it deep to the receivers and see if the receivers can make a play. Those mid-range throws just aren't there, and I think that's the bread and butter of an NFL passing game. And so, um, yeah, you know, as uh, as you say, uh, Zach, repeating uh, what uh, Gary Kubiak used to always say, we're fixing to find out. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Mike, um, hey, the people are demanding uh, to know, what does? how does Mike Kliss spend his bye week? <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, we had a little getaway, uh, my wife and I. It fell on our uh, anniversary. Okay. So um, didn't have much choice in the matter. Had to, had to take care of the missus. Love it. And uh, and treat her well this weekend. So, But she's off getting a facial right now, so that's why I was able to join you guys. Oh, well, well thank you for making the time, Mike, as always. Uh, we appreciate you, man. We'll catch up with you uh, this time next week, looking ahead to that Buffalo game. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. There he goes, the one and the only Mike Kliss. Thanks to Fitness Gallery, our 9 News Broncos insider.